Welcome to Comedians Talking Baseball, the podcast where myself and comedian Mike Bridenstine break down the week that was in Major League Baseball, nerd on some stats and have a good time with you. Sorry I started laughing just then. It's, uh, it's the end. It's the end of a, a hard 2019 season. Brado and I are big Cubs fans, so we're going to recap our misery and um, hopefully have an optimistic outlook for you. And Brido is going to give out his awards as he does every year. Um, he does such a great job breaking down why this player <coughs> is what. MVP, Cy Young, all that stuff. And, um, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we will do a couple during the playoffs too. So um, we could, we'll make our playoff predictions as well. Brido, how have you been, my friend? I'm good. It's good You're to good? hear your voice. Yeah. It's good to hear your voice. I you know it's been a few weeks and um, a lot has happened. Yeah, yeah, like the, I think the last time I talked to you, you only had like six thousand YouTube subscribers. Yeah, I'm up to almost uh, almost nine thousand. It's it's slowed down a little bit the last week or so. It's weird though, even saying that out loud. I'm like, it's slowed down. I'm only getting like fifty new ones a day, but you know, it's still <laughs> it's still growth. So I can't bitch. But I definitely think I have to start up in the content. The um, everyone listening, please subscribe to my YouTube channel and. Um, and click away because uh, some of the videos are monetized now. The channel's monetized, so anything I put forward can be I can make money off of, which is nice. Um, it sucks that it wasn't monetized the last month when I had over a million views on the fucking channel, but you know, it's all right. It's almost like YouTube knows. Oh, you can make money off us now. Let's freaking squash his numbers. I'm not saying that YouTube. <laughs> if you're listening, if you're listening, YouTube, I love you. Let's let's have some sex together, huh? Anyway, though, I am. Uh, I'm in a weird. I'm in a weird spot, man. I. Uh, like mentally with this whole Cubs thing, because uh, as everyone listening now knows, the Chicago Cubs have parted ways with uh, manager Joe Madden after five seasons. And, and you really couldn't ask for a more successful five seasons. I know we all wanted a little bit more as fans. And um, you and I both had moments in which we were like, what is Joe Madden doing right now? But yeah, yeah. I think we, I will always look back on him fondly. I knew I look, I'll, you'll, you'll add your thoughts to this too, of course, but here's my thoughts. I believed it was the right move, not bringing him back. I think the team needed to go in a different direction. I feel like um, I feel like he's a great manager for a young team. He does a wonderful job taking the pressure off. He was perfect for the 2015-2016 team. 2017 even got him going in the second half after a, a little bit of a World Series hangover in the first half. But I, I watch every game. You know what I mean? I see every game. And um, even though I think it's the right move, as soon as it was announced – I just had this weird pit in my stomach because didn't you think whatever manager was going to win the World Series with the Cubs would be like our Tommy Lasorda, a guy who's going to be managing the team for 20 years, you know? I yes. I always envisioned it. Yes. However, I mean, like our Bobby Cox, that sort of thing. That, yeah, that type of deal. Yeah, I agree with you. Sometimes I think about that 2015 team when everyone is a rookie. And so, and so, a, a manager that's gone to the World Series, they're like, "Yeah, he has white hair. He's cool. Oh, he got a magician. Oh, he got a mariachi band. Oh, we're wearing like crazy outfits. We're in the we're in the major leagues. This is fantastic." And then they all became household names with like millions of dollars and sponsorship deals. And the guy bringing in the magician just doesn't play as well as it used to. Yeah. They're getting wives. They're getting older. You know what I mean? They're having kids. They're having multiple kids by different women and beating one of them. Um, you know, uh, 
Yeah. That was me trying to make light of the Addison Russell situation, which is not a funny situation. Of course, he's a terrible person and he will be non-tendered. I hope if they bring, they cannot bring him back for another year. I understood the idea of like, Hey, you know, as a team, maybe we should take a little bit of responsibility. This happened on our watch. We could try to steer him into becoming a better person. And then also in the back of their heads, they're like, this guy was once a top five prospect in all of baseball. People were like, this guy's going to be an MVP one day. He's a Barry Larkin Hall of Fame type player. Well, you know, that's why I think those in the back of their head. Yeah. Hoping. And then if he starts hitting 300 and pay, plays that gold glove defense and all that other stuff, then people will kind of like, oh, well, let's overlook the horribleness of how he uh, treated um He has wife. some of my favorite defensive highlight two i guess two of my defensive highlights of the madden years i watched a lot of highlight clips from 2015 to 2019 over the past like couple days just it makes you feel better i i highly recommend it whoever your team is watch those good years they're on youtube where like when you click subscribe to to joe's page go find 2015 cubs highlights there's one where Russell runs a mile in 2016, catches it with his arm all weird, pumps his fist to end the game, I think. There's one in 2015. I remember that because Matt Caesar was playing left. Remember him? Yeah. Yeah, I like Caesar. It's his, I did too. It's his bat. That, yeah, Rizzo used his bat. Or told people he was using his bat to get... Either way, something happened with his bat with Rizzo in the playoffs. That I remember that. Out. Yeah, what, so Rizzo struggled in the first series against the Giants in the NLDS. Uh, then the first game or two of the Dodgers series, nothing. Then he switched to Matt Caesar's bat and then started to go on a tear. He was on a tear the rest of the playoffs. I think he hit like 350 in the World Series. And you then revealed, or the book, I think there was a book, The, the Cubs Way, that book by Tom Verducci, which I need to reread, actually. Yeah, I need there's to read that. Books, there's a few books I need to reread. That was actually a really good book. Um, the, the reason Rizzo switched to Caesars Bet was because it was a, a weighed less. Yes. He figured at the end of the season that he was a little bit slower with his swing. Yeah. But he didn't want to tell everybody that because that's something you just don't want to give away, which is smart. Yeah, he he's like a choke-up type of guy. Anyway... I don't know what you do with this with these Madden years. I would like to see the Cubs organization honor this man and his team somehow. I know he doesn't go out there and play. I know that he's made questionable decisions, but he won 90 games every single year for a franchise that a 90-win season is rare other than the – 110 years ago. Yeah, people forget the 2003 Cubs won 88 games. They won the NL Central with 88 wins. And 98 when they won the wild card on game 163 because they tied for the wild card with the Giants. That was their 90th win. They needed a 163rd game to get 90 and 98. Yeah, they won more um, games in 2004. Yeah, they won 89 and 04, which was even more. That was really... This 04 and 2019 teams have a a similar vibe to them. They do, yeah. Like, so much talent that just didn't come through. Absolutely, because Sosa wasn't Sosa anymore, and everybody still acted like he was. Alou was the star of that team, but they didn't have the same. Like Zambrano is the best pitcher. Ramos Ramirez had a really good 04, if I recall. Yeah, Derek Lee did not, because there was a time there where every new Cub had like the bad first season. 
Oh, Derek, Lee's first season with the Cubs wasn't good. Derek Lee's first season wasn't very good. But then 05, Derek Lee should have been MVP. It was one of the best seasons of the last 25 years. It's funny if you look at the Cubs, there's always somebody every now and then, even in like the lean years, one guy would have like a monster year and then nobody else did. <laughs> if like a few other people had just like figured it out, like Soriano in 2007. Yeah. Like he had like a 6.7 war. He like the greatest left field season in Cubs history. And no one else uh, is doing that good. It's really strange. But my dad always said they were good at grabbing a superstar to keep you as a fan into it. You know, they kind of always had like a big home run hitter. Yeah. Like the seventies, they had Dave Kingman. Yes. And then into the eighties, they had our guy, Andre Dawson. So, so in the nineties, early two thousands, you know, Derek Lee kept you going. Well, those seven Oh eight Cubs were playoff teams. And I mean, Sandberg, um, Sandberg won home run titles. Yeah. Sandberg won one in 1990 when he had 40 bombs. Some people think that's actually, they, I know some old school Cubs fans. I think my dad included that stopped liking, not stopped liking him, but liked him less when he became a power hitter. They said Sandberg was like the most exciting player in baseball in like 83, 84, 85, because he would hit 50 doubles, 15 triples, and only hit you about 15 to 20 home runs. And he would steal, I think he stole 50 bases one year. He was fast as hell. My dad said he would hit triples down the right field line, blast the ball to the gap, and pitchers came inside onto the left center field, but just never tried to hit for power. And then they got some hitting coach like in the 88th season or 87th season, I can't remember his name, that tried to give him to pull everything. And they had the home runs went up, but all the other cool stats went down, and he just became a less exciting player. So a home run is not as exciting as a double. No, I mean, no, obviously that's not what, I don't think that's what they meant. I think it's just like, he wasn't a speed. He wasn't. Yeah, I, I mean, look, you, he was a number. He was this number two hitter type guy. He was the but, classic. He was the classic number two. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, look, I think they were they were okay with home runs, but it's like I'd have to look at Sandberg's numbers. I don't know. Maybe these old guys are just you know reminiscing. And Sandberg. The eighties were a different is, time, dude. The eighties were speed demons. You had your Vince Coleman's, your you know guys like that, uh, Ricky Henderson. So I think they liked the idea of like. Oh yeah, you hit home runs, but we'd rather you're a number two hitter. Rather you hit some doubles and triples and just keep the line moving. I don't know. Yeah, that that '84 team. If you like, it looks like Wrigley Field is having fun. That it does looks, right. Like 2003, that I don't know what happened. I don't. I don't know what happened in the culture, but 2003, everybody is fucking miserable. Well, when it came to an end, it was miserable. I thought it was a lot. I thought that there was a lot of fun along the way, beating Atlanta. Yeah, it was really fun. Um, but yeah, you know what? I mean, it kind of it did feel like this year a lot where 07 and 08 under Pinella wasn't as much fun. Because I thought, it just felt uh, like you just felt like when is when are, when is the disaster going to happen? You know, 2008, I completely believed that they were going to win the World Series. It was 100 years. Zambrano threw that no hitter in Milwaukee. I completely fell for the 2018. <laughs> they got swept by the Dodgers. Dude, they looked awful. Yeah, I remember Manny Ramirez hitting a grand slam on yeah. a pitch from Sean Marshall that was maybe eight inches off the ground. Yeah, it was he just stupid. I'm like, what? 
That was brutal. All right, let's focus on this year's team. So, again, with Madden, I knew I, I, someone made a couple highlight videos of Madden. I'm like, oh, I'm getting like emotional a little bit here. Because I do, I do love what he did with the 2015 team. And the 2015 team was his best season as a manager. That was uh, a, he won manager of the year. That was a magical team that was ahead of schedule. Yes, they outplayed their – what's that on baseball reference? The, it starts with a P. Pythagorean. Thank you, Pythagorean. It's very Greek. How much do you have? To, how much do you believe in that thing? Well, and explain explain it for the the listeners real quick. What that is? It's I believe it takes their run differential and tells you what their record should have been. Ah, okay. That's that's essentially what it is. Then, all right. Um, I don't know if it has anything to do with the Pythagorean theorem or the Pythagoras, the maybe not a real guy. But, I don't know. I'm looking up. Um, I'm pretty sure 2015 was his best as far as the that theorem goes. Oh, I would um, guess 20. Their, their run differential was bananas in 2016, and they won. I, I mean, there's no better team than 2016. Okay. Well, let me tell you this. Okay. They were 103 and 58. They should have been 107 and 54. So that tells me Joe Madden was a minus three. Am uh, I wrong to think that that's oh, what that really means? Oh, uh, it because look at the. I know where you're saying your run differential. Like that team scored 808 runs. By the way, an 800 run season is fantastic for everyone <laughs> wondering like what the. Uh, they gave up 556. So yeah, that's an insane run. That would be the best run differential in baseball this year if that was that run differential. The Dodgers over 200 though. Run differential is a pretty good way to <clears throat> to look at a team, <clears throat> excuse me, and be like, are they blowing teams out? Are they squeaking by? Like, it's just a way to look at a team. Some teams make it to the playoffs that have negative run differentials, and they, the Diamondbacks like, did a few years ago. The Brewers yeah. almost did this year. They, I think, the second to the last game or their or their second to last win. They just that just pushed them over. I think. I'm and I'm, be wrong. Sh- I'm sure we're going to talk about this Brewers team because I have no fucking idea what to make. I don't get the Cardinals even still. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because Paul Goldschmidt's been barely above league average as a as a baseball player this year. That was like a um, five. That was a five war player they picked up in a contract. That means he's going to be the shit next year. It's what that means. Is that you could be? Yeah, you're right. I mean, although he's not getting any younger, right. I, I don't. I don't get it. Like, so. I, some people say, well, the Cardinals play, they do definitely play better defense than the Cubs. They run the bases better than the Cubs. Everybody runs the bases better than the Cubs. <laughs> That's, That's another thing that kind clear. of is a strike toward the manager in a way. But it also, I'm, I have to give Theo a little bit of guff on this. I think the whole playing with a sense of urgency thing might have backfired a little bit because it made them kind of play stupid to a sense. I get what, I get what Theo was doing with the sense of urgency thing. I think he got annoyed. In 2018, I, and again, they won 95 games in 2018. You think Bryant is a bad base runner or Baez is a bad base runner? No, no, of course not. I think they're great base runners. I don't think those two really did anything that hurt their base running overall, but the Cubs this year led baseball in outs on the base paths. Anthony Rizzo, Kyle Schwarber, Contreras, there's a, few, there's a few dudes in particular that stuck out to me. Guys who are slow. Lost you for like two straight minutes. Did you? Yeah. 
Oh, okay. Well, I basically just talked about how much I love you, and I think you're. Man. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> you started that off by by naming the slowest players in the world, and then I was like, and then like you dropped off. But yeah, okay, I was basically so... saying. Look, I'll, I'll wrap it up for you that we were kind of on the same um, path here, or same train of thought. Okay. I basically was saying, yes, Bryant, I think, is one of the best base runners I've ever seen. Javi Baez, too, is great instincts as a base runner. I think because of the whole sense of urgency, not those two so much, but Rizzo, who, again, is just – I love him as a ball player, but isn't fast. Sometimes he makes – I'm like, why are you trying to stretch that into a double? Dude, come on. Schwarber, the same thing. It's – I think they were doing that as like, oh, I got to take the extra base when I can because we don't want to ever take a game off. And that's not taking a game off. It's – Schwarber twice had got thrown out at third base in the and during that nine game losing streak where I'm like, someone on the bench, one of your coaches needs to then get in your face and be like, hey, dickhead, you, you could, you know, a single scores you from second just as easily. I know you're thinking wild pitch, I'm 90 feet closer, but come on, man. Yeah, I I am gonna say when when he when when I got that alert on my phone that said he, that Madden was not coming back, I thought that's the right move. Yeah, because it just seemed over. The relationship was over. We we tanked last year and had to play one sixty three, lost it. Play the wild card, lost it, and that was like the wake up call. Thing comes up roses for this Cubs team, like. Game five of the 2017 NLDS against the Nationals. Like, everybody just knew the Cubs were going to win that game, and everything went right for them. There was a catcher's interference. There was, like, all kinds of shit that went on. And the Cubs, like, there was no way the Cubs weren't winning that. Same with, when, but then they played Colorado. Baez ties it with a double. It goes extras. It's just inevitable the Cubs are going to win. And then they didn't. Yeah, I was at that game. That was rough. And so Theo, I think it was. Yeah, and like so Theo addresses it, and Theo says, like that'll never happen again. And then they tanked worse. Yeah, lost nine games in a row, and they had a chance. They were two games. Was it two or three games back of the division? Going into a home series with St. Louis, a team that you'd beaten up at home all year. And they, they lost, yeah, they lost, I think they lost five one run games in a row. Well, four to the Cardinals and then like the last one at Cincinnati in that series. Um, yeah, you know, again, like it, we'll always love Joe Mad and blah, blah, blah. But now we have to be honest with what happened here. Did he get handed a flawed roster this year? Yes. Theo did not do much in the offseason at all to help the team. I think something weird went on behind closed doors. This doesn't get talked about. But I remember it at the time thinking, oh, that should be a bigger story. The Ricketts, um, Tom Ricketts, the Ricketts family, the, the four uh, kids that own the team or siblings that own the team, they bought out the last – the Tribune still owned about 10% of the team up until this past offseason, which a lot of people don't realize. They bought out that last 10% so that they are now – the Ricketts own 100% of the Cubs. I mean, I'm sure there's some investors, but they're like, you know, the Tribune no longer owns that 10% that they had kept on. When Sam Zell bought the Tribune, I think they kept that 10%. That was about $30 million, I believe. And I think that's why they shut down spending completely. Because and they spent, they used their budget to buy out. I think, that's, I think that's what it is. And I, th- I know they did a good job spinning the narrative of, hey, 
we're currently the second highest payroll in baseball right now. That should be enough to win. We made some bad decisions, but in, in no way do I think Theo Epstein, and I know this dude thing, we all know how far ahead he thinks that last free agency with Harper Machado. And I'm not saying those guys would have put this team over the top. They definitely wouldn't have hurt, but you know, I don't, I don't, I know he sees that coming because his whole thing he's always preached it with is I like to pay for a player's future, not their past when it comes to free agency which is why they gave Jason Hayward all that money because he was 26. So like, oh, he's people don't hit free agency at 26. He was coming off a good year. He's got all the tools. People forget Jason Hayward was coming off a six-war season when we signed him to that deal. Yeah, he got eight years. Yeah, eight years. Um, so anyway, I, I think that through – I think Theo wouldn't have made this – maybe he still goes after Darvish, but I don't think he signs Chatwood. I don't think he signs a couple of those deals that he signed in 20 and the, the offseason before 2018. If he thought that the following offseason, this, you know, going into 2019, he was going to be handcuffed. So I think he was a little bit like, ah, shit. And then he had to kind of own it where it's like, all right, you're right. We have the second highest payroll. We should be getting more out of this team. I still believe in this core. Maybe we'll tinker a little bit. And maybe I did overreact during the presser by saying something was broken. There was, you know, we played 40 games in 41 days. We still won 95. We'll bring back Cole Hamels because he looked amazing first in the second half. And by the way, Cole Hamels was great in the first half. Once he got injured, he came back from the injury and just did not look like the same pitcher. That's what happens when you turn 35. When you get injured, it does have an effect on your performance. So um, so you think it's an underreported story that the Ricketts handcuffed uh, Jed and Theo's ability to fix problems in the offseason, and now they are going to dump a bunch of money uh, into Donald Trump's campaign. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, I think it was underreported about that. I remember reading that going, oh, why isn't that being more talked about among Chicago sports? Because I hear it all the time where they're like, well, look what Theo did. Theo gave uh, Joe Madden a shit roster. This is on Theo. This is on Theo. And I'm not saying Theo doesn't. Theo, yeah, Theo definitely, you know, he does take responsibility though. So, you know, when people are like, he needs to take responsibility. I'm like, yeah, he does. Theo's, that's one of the things people like about him is he takes responsibility. He did not have a very good off season. Um, Tommy Lestella for um, being traded away. But did anyone see that coming? No, <laughs> no. Right. How <clears throat> your dickhead fans bring up Jorge Soler. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. After five seasons of underperforming, he finally made it. You, like if we would have kept Jorge Soler, Every cub, every one of those Cubs fans would have been like, "This guy sucked. Get rid of him. Get rid of him. Get rid of him." That's what they were saying. They were saying that, and then he hits. He finally hits his third season in Kansas City. By the way, his first season was 2017. Didn't do shit. Played 40 games. Was injured most of the year, and then didn't hit when he did play. Same with the next year. Maybe played 60 games. This year, he's, he finally plays a full season. Is healthy, and yeah, hats off to him. He leads the American League in home runs, and and you know, put together a nice slash line. Great. Well, he Trout got hurt. That helped him. Well, that helped him lead the league in home runs. Either way, he, it was still 47 home runs is 47 home runs. Um, it was still a really good year. I'm not going to tell I mean, I'm happy for Jorge Soler. I liked him, but he was a fifth outfielder for us, essentially, that we flipped for an uh, all-star closer. Yeah, it was only one season. Wade but still Davis. Yeah, I, it was, Wade Davis was great for us in 2017, so I still think that's a great trade. Now, if you could argue the Eloy Jimenez don't cease trade was bad, sure, I guess. But I still think that was a more even trade than even fans realized because Q helped stabilize the 2017 rotation, which led to us winning a division. 
and right. he won a playoff game for us against the Nationals. Has he been a little disappointing the last two years? Sure. I mean, last year he was eh. And then this year he was good up until September. That was weird. People like, I, I think I looked the other day, Quintana is almost a four war. And that was, that's including one of the worst Septembers he's ever had. He was he had like a 90 RA in the month of September. It was terrible. When Yelich got hurt, the Cubs were up on the Brewers. Yeah. We were like a three or four. I think we were like three games up on them. And then they went 17 and two. Or something ridiculous. They lost their last three games, but they but they went they were basically thirteen and two. Thirteen and two, yeah. Until then. Yeah, I think I saw that thirteen and five because they lost three in a row to Colorado. Yeah, I mean, there's just a lot about baseball that doesn't add up. I read a thing where I like the quote at the end. It's like you can make all the right moves and still get the wrong result. And I think that's what some people need to understand a little bit. So with Madden, back to the fans who are thinking, well, the roster was not perfect. When I hear that. I'm thinking a $6 million a year manager is supposed to overcome a flawed roster because if the roster is perfect, why the fuck do we need a $6 million a year manager? Well, you could use me or you, I'll do it for fucking a hundred grand. I think that at least a hundred grand. I'm not selling myself short. I think Theo wanted a motivator for his young team. And I think that that doesn't work anymore. And so he wants a yes man. So he wants, whether it be David Ross or fucking... Mark Loretta. Or, I mean, honestly, you or I could go in there and Theo is going to be like, if we memorize like what you do when this XYZ happens, then that's the way it goes. I think that Madden went rogue. Madden made decisions based on his like memory. His like There was a game... Where he made like a weird decision, and I and then someone said like brought up like a playoff game that the Rays had with the Red Sox, where the where the Red Sox came back, and I was like, okay, so he's doing shit based off of like other games he's managed as opposed to going by the book or whatever. Yeah, that's pretty dumb. You know what bothered me too a little bit, and I I wanted to not say I'm not gonna make any tweets that are anti Madden because people will just go nuts on me. And I'm not anti-Madden. Like I told people, I think he should have a statue. Retire his number 70. I'll always be thankful. He was unbelievable. Here, you know, we're talking about the, uh, Pythi- uh, okay, what's it called again? <laughs> the Pythagorean, or what is it? Pythagorean. Thank you. Pythagorean. I can't speak. Uh, uh, theory or whatever. Um, you know, I, I mentioned how the 2016 team actually should have won more games. Well, 2015, which we both said was his best year really as a manager, as far as moves made and all that, they won 97 games that year. To, according to that theorem, they should have only won 90. So he was a plus seven as a manager. Yeah, I don't know how much credit any manager deserves, to be honest. But I know I was a big reader. Not to cut you off, are you referring to, remember in um, Ahead of the Curve, Brian Kenny's book, where he kind of talked about how much do managers really make a difference? Right. Well, I... Th- I- this one sucked because you're right. I agree with you. I think that there should be a statue of Madden. I think that they should retire number 70. But it just felt like, you know, the CEO has to go. Yeah. And I know people, everyone's just feeling like bummed because they're like, that's oh, weird that someone who won us a World Series it is, is gone weird. already. It's fucking weird. And I know that's what a lot of what I'm seeing on social media. And I got to remind myself that social media is only such a, is a small fraction of the real, true, full fan base. 
because you know there's one dude I actually like. I, I get along with him on Twitter, but he he brought up is Dusty Baker's still out there, and I'm like, do you what? Really? I saw that. Ooh, I saw come that. on, man. I saw um, that. I saw yeah. that. It's you know. So people forget though, Madden. They would. They, they, they would have lost Game Seven though. This town would have wanted to see him hung. Yeah, they won that game in spite of him. They did. And I kind of thought about Madden as like a guy who I don't think is that great under pressure, which is why he likes keeping things loose. It's in his nature. Game seven was a lot of pressure, and I kind of think every move he made was the wrong move. He called for Javi Baez to bunt on a full count. Remember that shit? People forget about that one. You know what I mean? He said, I won't bring Lester into a sloppy inning. He brought Lester in with runners on second and third. You know what I mean? He kept every like move didn't make sense. Yeah. You just there was a lot of stuff in that game where you're like, I remember thinking, if we lose this game, they're gonna run him out of town because that was a really bad performance. And this year, being a lame duck manager for the first time in his career was kind of pressure. And I feel like he made a lot of wrong moves. And despite the fact that yeah, he had a flawed bullpen. There were, was there ever a time this year where you're like, oh, Madden won us that game? That move, brilliant. That won us that game. There were times. Not, one, not, I, I not, one, not this, this year. year. 2015, I went, I went back and I watched, like, let's say, game two against the Cardinals. He had two safety. I know what player you're talking about. Yeah, that was two, genius. I loved it. Two safety squeezes Austin in a Jackson. row. Yes. Like that was like that was Madden, like me being like he's a fucking mad scientist. Yeah, I, I miss that guy. I don't know what happened to that guy. I haven't seen so much as a double steal out of him in the last three years. Brings in Lester because he's the only guy left on the bench in 2016 against the Seattle Haywards on third. They do another safe like the safety squeeze, suicide squeeze. What about- Putting Travis Wood into the outfield in that game. Putting Travis Wood and he makes a crazy catch in the Ivy. Yeah, and, because they did, they did Pedro Strope one game too, where it's like, all yeah, right, righty lefty. Strope's so he, laughing his ass off. They put him out in the outfield, switching back. Yeah, he did great things those couple of years. Then in this, I don't know if the World Series win kind of went to his head a little bit. His closing statement yesterday was basically, he basically said, I don't regret a single decision I made. And I'm like, really? He, he, not one thing has he ever said, yeah, that was not the right move. I don't know if it's the right thing for you and I to do to pick apart game seven. I see everybody do it. And it's kind of like, well, they fucking won the games. <laughs> no, they won the game, so it doesn't matter. But I think about that, though, because everyone's like, you want us a World Series, you want us a World Series, you want us a World Series. And I go, yeah, but just think about if, that, if Kipnis straightens that ball out a little bit more. On that one swing. Think about, uh, you know what I mean? I mean, because he kept, he kept Chapman in for the ninth, which worked out. There's so much like that could have gone wrong. And people would have said like, why would you leave Hendrickson when you have fucking Lester and Arietta on the bench? My God, John Lester has pitched in how many world series games or, I mean, anything goes wrong. You can think of a billion things to say. No, you're hundred percent right on that. That is true. And I do hate it when fans do that. Because it's it's, a, it's very much a position in which you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. And yeah. not even in regards to Game 7. I, what He had this thing where he said yesterday, I wish I had the quote in front of me, where basically I would do everything I did this season all over again and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, dude, there's not even a shred of you that could admit, like, yeah, there's a couple decisions here or there that if I could redo them. Like, show a little humility. I think, because we were just talking about how fun he was and creative with the sack squeezes 
And I remember the team running more early on. They, they were never a team that stole a ton of bases. But if I, rec- if I recall, I think they, they ran more early on. Yeah, I mean... Didn't Chris Bryant hit like 15 stolen bases in 2016? I, you know... Um, I, I'm going to talk out of my ass a little bit here, but how, how much does... I'm thinking about the 2017 first half when the Cubs had a losing record, right? Yeah, 43 and 45. That's a team with all the talent in the world. How many guys mentally or subconsciously went to Chicago, signed with the Chicago Cubs to be the guy on the team who won a world series with the Cubs. And then it happened. So where do you like mentally where, (laughs) like, where do you go? I remember my cousin was like a football coach for a Catholic school in Iowa they won like six state championships in a row. And I said to him, like, does it like still feel as good? And he's like, honestly, no, you know, like, uh, like now it's more like there's pressure to not lose. Like it's gotta be different in those guys heads. A Rizzo who's been there, Bryant who's young and like probably always wanted to win a world. It's gotta be, like maybe you got there and you're like, well, fuck, what now? I, I that's funny you mention that because I remember going into the 2017 season and I probably said it to our text group and uh, you know my other friends and family that what's weird about going into 2017 is this is the first Cubs team in probably anyone's lifetime that has zero pressure on them going into the year. Yes, because if I thought all would be forgiven, like if that team would have won 60 games and you know just totally bombed. I think people were like, yeah, 108 year hangover or whatever. But I remember people being hard on them in that first half. Being like, what I was, how are they doing? I was I, hard on them. You I didn't like be, how you did not like how hard I was on them. I remember that. I know. Cause I just felt like guys, teams don't repeat anymore. It's very difficult. Yeah. No one even wanted... goes back to the playoffs. They were actually the first team since the Cardinals to go to win a world series and then go to the playoffs. Yeah. That was the trend Win the world series. And then you're not in the playoffs the next year. That was the trend for a little while there. The Red Sox aren't in the playoffs. Yeah. They're not in this year. I mean, that's, yeah, it's true. It's, I just was like still in the glow. I was still in that glow because I took losses hard. I, after the, they lost in 2003, I had a nightmare once a week about that scenario. Oh God. I still, I'm, I'm not I'm, kidding. I, I'm yeah. finally, I'm finally over it. I'm yeah, finally over three. Yeah. So like, um, I just kind of thought to myself, like, man, everyone's being really hard on them. I guess we just wanted that dynasty so bad. We kind of thought we, we get to be the Yankees now, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and I get that. I wanted it too. And I still think I still have the confidence. That's why I get mad when people trash Theo. Cause I'm like, you guys know he built that team. He had a five-year plan and, then, and, and it worked and they were, they nailed so much on that rebuild. The last few years, they have not nailed a lot much. And they, that's what Theo had the press conference today, and he mentioned that. He goes, hey, the first five years, we were damn near perfect. And these last few, we have not been. And we need to be better, and we're going to correct some stuff and all this kind of stuff. But I think Madden leading off Albert Elmora, there's no way that, uh, to stick up for that. He was leading off Albert Elmora in August games. You know what I mean? The number of times where there was just a few things that I think even Madden or Theo said, or he implied, um, at the end of last year and even in the offseason a little bit about having more stability. In the 2015 and 2016 Cubs, you had these young, hungry players who were just trying to prove themselves as major leaguers. Yeah. 
But once they started to prove themselves, they're like, listen, I want a spot. I don't want to have to come to the ballpark every day and be like, oh, am I starting today? You know what I mean? So right. look at our bench players. Zobris. Yeah, we need true bench players. Because going into the, in 2018, our bench players, they all thought they should be everyday starters. Ian Happ's like, I should be an everyday starter. Albert Elmore Jr. is like, I should be an everyday starter. I don't think Elmore thinks anymore because he just got awful in 2019. But in 2018, he definitely thought that. Right. Um, Addison Russell, I should be an everyday starter. That's what these guys thought. And when they were bouncing back and forth, they're like, well, this is bullshit. I was fine when I was 22 when I was just called up to the show for the first time. And also, we forget, 2016, we did kind of have a true bench. Our bench in 2016 was David Ross, true backup catcher. Even Carantini could probably start on some teams. Um, Chris Coglin, who was definitely like a fourth outfield guy, and he knows it. Lestella. Lestella, true bench guy. They, Matt Caesar. These yeah. were guys who were like, oh, we know our role. We're bench guys. Now, um, people always talk about the depth being really important. And depth is important, but I think it's important to have like actual backups who know I'm a backup. I mean, look how, want, look, like, how, another, look, how look how pissed off. Star. Look how pissed off Montero was. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I mean, he. <laughs> People don't know, national listeners, you guys might not know this, but Miguel Montero, uh, on the day of the World Series parade, 5 million people, fifth largest gathering in human history or whatever, um, he was on like local sports radio and was complaining about the lack of playing time he got toward the end. And in the playoffs, he's like, I should have played more. And then people, and the one guy was like, dude, you won the World Series. Are you really upset right now? He goes, yeah. And then they ended up cutting him in the next year because he couldn't throw people out anymore. And instead of owning up to that, he threw Jake Arian under, under the bus. Remember that? There was like a game against Washington, six stolen bases. And he goes, What do you want me to do? My pitcher fucking sucks, or he's too slow, or something like that. It was kind of funny. But, he, he hit a grand slam in the playoffs. That's what, I know. One of my favorite moments. Yeah. And he had, had the tack on run in game seven. That's and the thing, he too. Had the, he had the walk off when they, after they clinched to make it like the official, we clinched. Yeah, so they could actually celebrate. Yeah. <laughs> Montero, um, Montero's great, man. Like he's no, I heard he's a good guy. I've met, I've, I, um, not to cut you off, I did a podcast. It was a roundtable podcast. Uh, listeners, follow me on Twitter. I'm gonna share the link tomorrow with a bunch of Cubs bloggers and uh, Cubs podcasters. I kind of got into the community of Cubs Twitter this past season, and I had a lot of fun with these specific people. Now, other people, I didn't have a lot of fun with because. It was just, just a lot of negativity, a lot of we should get rid of Theo and Madden's the one we should keep forever. I'm just thinking, what? Like, I don't, you know, just stu- people rewriting history too, a lot of revisionist history. The Quintana trade always cracks me up because like we could have had Verlander. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, we could have, but that was at the end of August. You forget, we made the trade for Quintana during the All-Star break. At the All-Star break that year, Justin Verlander had like a 4-7 ERA. He had a really bad first half because I remember floating the idea to you about maybe we grab Verlander that year. And you were like, no, he's old now. And he's, he's looking at him. He's pitching terribly. Um, <laughs> Boy, am I, I do remember that. I'm, not, I'm so not, dumb. Yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't, I, I think I just liked the name myself, but then he took off because the was, second half. His velocity wasn't down. His I, velocity was still up. He just had a bad start to a season. And, I didn't know he was Nolan Ryan. We get, who who would have saw this coming? Houston does something right down there, clearly with their spin rate and all that kind of stuff. I think it's I think it's Kate Upton. Oh well, that's here. Yeah, she was at his last game, looking real peachy in the crowd. You know what I'm saying, my man? She's done looking more. Hot. She's done more for baseball than any Upton. Yeah, way more than BJ. That's for sure. What a disappointment he turned out to be. <laughs> 
Justin Melvin is still solid, isn't he? It's just, Justin had a few good years there. But yeah, Melvin, though, remember, everyone thought Melvin was going to be the better one. And then he just was terrible after that. He's a former Joe Madden uh, prospect. He needs all right, a, let me, let me, um, Kate up it. And we all do. No, we don't. We have wonderful wives. What am I saying? Um, we all have Kate Uptons. Yes, we do. Let me, uh, let me say this too. Uh, you know, we're talking about the whole, you know, Madden and all that kind of stuff. I just thought he, he handles the bullpen really poorly. That's always been part of his MO. And when you have a flawed bullpen, that part of his MO, the way you worded that, it's like, oh, yeah, that's, the way you worded that was hilarious. Like, it's what I do. Hey, that's, he, he doesn't know what he, he brings in Randy Rosario in a tied game. That's what he does. No, treated that's tied my games move. and being down by one run the same as uh, I never saw that. And my, he, you're down by one. You don't have to bring in your worst bullpen pitcher because then he's going to give up three runs and the game's out of hand. I would treat being down by one or a tie game the same as being up by one or up by two. Is I'm bringing any, in my top setup men. You know? Is there anybody that you want to manage the Cubs? Well, I'll get to that in a second. I now remember where I was going with. I was talking about the Cubs community. Oh, right. um, this dude, he, he, he tweeted a bunch of pictures of him and Miguel Montero and John Maley, who's the former hitting coach. He saw them at an event and got to hang out with him. He was talking about how cool Montero was. And, um, and apparently, uh, shit, can I say this? I don't know if he listens to my podcast, but, um, <laughs> Montero was one of like the tough guys, like in the, you know, everyone talked about David Ross, but Montero was also one of those veterans that would get in a, a guy's face if they screwed up. I think that's pretty well known actually. But basically, I'll, I'll say this because I did hint at something. John Melee, who was the hitting coach in 2015, 2016, who got let go after 2017. No, he was, he was there for 2017 as well, but he got let go after that year. Uh, apparently, if Theo had his way, that never would have happened. That was kind of a Madden move. Madden wanted to get rid of Melee and Basio. Interesting. Yeah. I hope, actually, you know what? I feel bad because I probably should not have revealed that information. You revealed your sources. I did. I did reveal my source. I might have to go back and cut the name. <laughs> I, I think I'm early gone, actually. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll post the, it sometime tomorrow. I'll have to cut the fucking, what I just said. When or Ma- I'll just I'll bleep the name. When Madden goes to the Angels next season, uh, we'll be able to, it'll magnify the things that are wrong with him that we might not have necessarily seen when he was here, the same way that Dusty Baker kind of in hindsight is like more egregious than ever. Well, yeah, because we saw what he did to so many starting pitchers in other markets. He went to the Reds and, and basically Edison Volk has lost his arm pitching under him. Like, you know, he just, um, all this really bad decision-making. He just, Baker was brutal. Um, yeah, I don't know, man, this, this, this Cubs team going forward. Uh, I definitely, Here's some encourage. Let's be encouraging a little bit. I've seen a lot of people say like, oh, the window's closed now. And I'm like, no, the window's not closed because we still have a lot of the course signed, right? And you could miss the playoffs during what could be considered your championship window. People forget the Houston Astros made the playoffs in 2015. They missed the playoffs in 2016, the Astros. Then they won the World Series in 2017. Let's go back a little further. The Boston Red Sox won the World Series in 04. Yeah. Missed the playoffs in 06. Then won the World Series in 07. And I mean, I'm look not at saying the, that's a guarantee at, for you know. Look at the even year Giants. Yeah, they missed a bit playoffs once or twice in between those too. So I'm confident we could turn it around. Obviously, we got to get back to developing players better. Um, hopefully, develop some pitching. 
right now everyone talks about how oh, the farm system's dead. I think that's not true at all. There's like four guys I think will be top 100 prospects next year. I think Brennan Davis cracks the top 100. Marquez, if Marquez doesn't crack the top 100 in prospects, I don't know what you have to do to crack that list. We've got this guy, forget his first name, but his last name is Marquez. And he's at South Bend, which is a ball. Throws a, he's a lefty. throws a hundred, 101 miles an hour starter. He had a three game stretch where he gave up like one hit in three starts. He threw like no, no hitter. You know, you know, they don't let him go all night, but he threw like seven, no hit innings. Then the next game threw like six, one hit innings. Then the next game threw like six more, no hit innings and just striking out the world. Good control. I'm like, this guy doesn't crack the top 100. He came on in the second half of the season. So I'm like, all right, I get why he's not on the list right now, but next year he'll be in there. Nico Horner, Amaya. I think Amaya already kind of got it. came in like late at the end of the year, top 100. But anyway, I know this team could turn it around. Now, what moves do you want to see them make as far as improving the team? You mean like get, get Garrett Cole? Well, yeah, that's interesting too. Um, I was talking with, uh, someone else on the panel who I thought was fantastic. Everyone on the panel was pretty good. We did this thing at the, the G man tavern, which used to be called the ginger man, but then now they just call it the G man in uh, Lakeview. I uh, like just up the street from Wrigley field in Wrigleyville, I should say. And, uh, oh, oh I've, panel, I've, uh, I've done stand up there. That corner bar. Yeah. Yeah. They have a stamp show on Mondays there. It's a pretty fun show. Eh. Um, but yeah, so we did like a, like a round table for this dude, Danny rocket. He's part of this group of guys who have their, there's like a fan show on Comcast Sports Night here in Chicago, and those three guys run it. It's called uh, Inside the Ivy or Outside the Ivy. Forget the name of it. Anyway, long story short, I'm rambling here. Sorry, Brad. No, I, I like that you have weaseled your way into this group, and now you're going to take over. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I brought up how my move. Um, oh, and the, I want I, I want to see David Ross as the manager. Okay. Um, I Maybe that's too. part of me holding on to the nostalgia of 2016 a little bit, but I think he's got that. I think he knows how to keep it loose, but also people were saying like, if you made a mistake, you'd get up in your face. And I think they need a, I need, they still need that combination. They go full Girardi. What is Girardi going to say? Hey, Javi, stop flipping your bat. I don't want a guy like that. Sorry. Yeah, I, don't they, know, I don't know for sure Girardi would do that, but he seems like he would. Oh, I don't want Girardi anywhere near that team. Yeah. I want. Although he's good at handling a bullpen. I think that they will want to win for David Ross. Don't you think David Ross will know how to handle a bullpen? He's a fucking catcher. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. A lot of people, I agree with you. A lot of people are like, well, he's got no coaching experience. I'm like, a backup catcher is the coaching experience. I I believe in this guy. Catchers become managers. That's just the way it is. They typically do, and especially a backup because you're sitting out several games and you're usually sitting next to the manager. They're always learning alongside that guy. And that's what Joe Girardi was. Yeah, he had a few. He started a lot. But so was so was Joe Torre. Yeah, Mike Sosha was a catcher. There's a lot of catchers that just they see the game. They're the only position that's that's facing the other positions. You know what I mean? Lloyd McClendon. Uh yeah, man. Who else? Um, he was a Cubs catcher. Brad Osmus right now. Probably a few people out there. I'm not thinking of too. Um, Osmus is gone. Yeah, Joe. I think that's why I thought Madden to San Diego was a perfect fit. Because he get he gets a lot out of young players, so I'd imagine Tatis having a monster year under Madden, you know. But um, I think Madden's not—he's done chasing rings, and I think he wants to go to the oh, organization uh, he started with and also manage the greatest baseball player of all time, perhaps. I got so many text messages as soon as the—I got more text messages when Osmus got let go than when Madden left. Because when Madden left, and I posted something, people were like, "Wait, what? What the fuck?" 
And when Osmus got fired, people were like, like, that was so obvious that, like, casual fans are like, oh. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's clear that they're going after him, and I think that's going to happen. Um, sorry, I had a little something in my mouth there. You ever get, like, a random hair in your mouth? And you're like, that's gross. Um, I have a Bernice Mountain Dog, so the answer to that is yes. Oh, yeah, for sure, man. That's a good dog, though. Uh, you mentioned Garrett Cole. So here's my fun little thing about um, Garrett Cole. I think he's probably going to get what? Do you think like 25, 30 million? Let's say 30 million. I think that it, he, is he with uh, Borat? I don't know if he's with Borat or not. <laughs> All right, That's well, a good question. They're going to try to get him the David Price uh, Scherzer deal. That's what I think. Yeah, which is about 30 million. So right. I, I think, look, and I want Garrett Cole. Oh, I was going to say this on the panel, and um, I'm not going to name a name like I did before. Uh, well, I'll name, I'll, I'll tweet out. Follow me on Twitter, guys, and I'll tweet out because everyone on that panel is worth a follow. They were, everyone brought a different like thoughts on the subject, and I thought it was pretty great. Um, she, I mentioned Garrett Cole, and she was like, "No, don't want anyone." I think Houston just has a way of getting more out of their pitchers than we possibly can. He comes to us; he won't be the same Garrett Cole. We'll get Pittsburgh Garrett Cole, which I thought was a little unfair because he had some really, really great seasons with Pittsburgh. And um, yeah, he won't have to pitch to fucking Schwarber. Yeah, Schwarber dominated him. Um, I then brought up Charlie Morton, and they said that uh, Charlie Morton isn't as good right now than he was with Houston. I actually looked it up. Charlie Morton's having a better year this year than he did last year with Houston. Those guys are dumb. Charlie Morton. So I was right. <laughs> They're Charlie... not dumb, but that, they were wrong on that particular thing. I would say that, <laughs> yeah, he's like third in Cy Young this year. I mean, yeah, he's having a great year. I, I think you, when you learn stuff, you hold on to it. it. It would look really fishy if these pitchers were going to Houston, having career years, leaving, and then immediately falling apart. Like they, I, what, they forgot how to hold a baseball. I, I'll, <laughs> I also don't know what their idea of a good pitching season is. Like, I would want them to tell me that because like, if you like, I, I, I think she probably just wasn't paying attention enough and just thought like, you know, well, if she's like, well, Verlander and Cole have 20 wins. It's just like, uh, no, I think they were pretty good on sabermetrics. I think it was just one thing where she just was wrong on a thing. You know what I mean? Um, the rest of the inside I thought was really good across the board. Yeah, but, uh, but Morton's been good all season. I know. I don't know how you forget that. He's I mean, not, it's not Tampa, like Tampa. It's not like a lot of media attention. Yeah. It's not like Flaherty where he came on like in the second half. Charlie Morton has had a good season the whole year. Yeah. A really good season too. I think people don't realize how good he's been. Uh, so here's my thing. All right. We, we both agree on David Ross. I think he's got the perfect blend of a little old school, a lot of new school. Um, and so what if he knows the players? I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't know why that'd be a bad thing. You know, um, these guys understand. What are you benching me for, bro? I don't think they would do that at all. I don't, you know what I mean? They're pros. I would say I want Garrett Cole as well. I, def, I desperately want Garrett Cole. So I take Cole Hamill's 20 million that's rolling off. Yeah. I pick up Jose Quintana's option, which is about $11 million. I trade Jose Quintana, all the $11 million. You probably maybe get back maybe a couple mid-level prospects, but the contract's off the books. Take that $31 million, you sign Garrett Cole. Okay. But Joe, we're now two starters, or you're, you're missing two starters for one, essentially, money-wise. Here's my rotation. You got Garrett Cole as your ace, of course. 
you Darvish is your number two. And if we get second half, you Darvish, that is a mighty fine number two because second half, you Darvish was an ace. So you basically got a pair of aces up top. Kyle Hendricks, who's definitely an ace at home on the road for some reason, not as good, but still a top 15 pitcher, I'd say in the NL. Uh, Kyle Hendricks is your three. Uh, John Lester is your four, maybe your five, really. Uh, that's what happened in these contracts. T- contract was t- totally worth it, though. I think Lester's contract was, if you sign a six-year deal with a pitcher and he's awesome for four and a half out of those six years, that's a great contract. Uh, Adbert Eloze, Eloze, I can never pronounce his name right. I'm just going to call him Adbert. He is going to, I'm going to give him a spot in the rotation. With an Alec Mills slash Chatwood as your emergency, all right, well, I guess Adbert didn't work out. We'll spot start these guys, whatever. I'm happy and confident in that rotation going into 2019. Here's what I want. I want to start Brandon Morrow just to say fuck you to him. <laughs> well, he's off the books. Well, we, we, we buy him out for a million. He's owed 12 and a half, but we buy him out for a million. Um, so it was like a mutual buy. I think it was a, a $1 million buyout. So that's not much. Um, yeah. What a backfire of that deal that was, but that's another thing that some people on the inside have blamed Madden for because the deal was never to pitch him three days in a row. And Madden did that. He brought him into a game which actually there was well in hand. I think we were up like six to one where they're like, why are you bringing it? It's not even a safe situation. I could see if one thing was desperate for a safe situation. So I think that might have been the beginning of the end for Madden on that regard. Um, I remember that and, now. You know, yeah. Yeah. Remember that the front office was pretty pissed about that. But that's the thing about those guys, though. And I think feels like me and me and Joe are going to be lifelong friends. I do believe that. I think they do love him for all that. But I think they definitely got frustrated with him toward the end. Um, all right, offensive side of the ball, um, and then we got to get to predictions here. Uh, what do you do? Do you do you trade one from the one of the core? Well, I want Russell sent to Siberia. Well, that's a given. I'm not even. He's definitely getting. He's getting non-tendered. That's happening. Um, we don't need to spend time on that. Um, I would maybe like an outfield option. Do you re-sign Castellanos? Yeah, but not for crazy money. Yeah, I don't go. I would do four years, 70 million, 75. I mean, put him in right and put Hayward in center and I'm happy. That's what we already do. So the same outfield you want then? Yeah. for the, I mean. Or do you want to move Shorver? Castellanos had a two-war while he was in Chicago. I know, for two months. That's great. That's a six-war season. <laughs> whole... I mean, he's, is he going to do that? Probably not, but... I don't know. I, I told you, I think the thing with him was... Well, also, people forget he's two months younger than Bryant. Yeah. People, for some reason, think Castellanos is like 32. I'm like, I, I got into this thing with someone on Facebook about the other day where they totally fucking... I, reading comprehension on social media is not existing Do you know why? I'm guessing... Cassiano sounds like a lot of other uh, Greek, Puerto Rican players. It does. That's fair. But I said him coming over because someone's like, oh, I don't think they should give him money. He's flashing the pan. He got a hot two months, whatever. I go, no, I really think leaving that huge ballpark for Wrigley really helped his power numbers the same way it helped Yelich's power numbers going from Miami to Milwaukee, and they all started coming at me going, you're going to pair Yelich, a probably two-time MVP, to fucking... I go, no, 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 no. I compared their power 
numbers, dipshit. Fucking Yelich had 22 home runs his final season in 2017 with the Marlins. And then he goes to Milwaukee last year, hits 36, and this year probably would hit 50 if he stayed healthy. Are you like, how the fuck is that not a fair comparison when uh, Castellanos had 11 home runs in 100 games with Detroit in that massive ballpark? Then comes to Wrigley and had 17 home runs in 45 games. That's a fair fucking comparison that doubles in Comerica, which is like the biggest ballpark in baseball, became home runs in Wrigley, which has friendly gaps. I don't understand. Do you know off the top of your head if he had uh, crazy home road splits or anything like that? I know that they did a, a in like an overlap of Wrigley to Comerica, and balls that were doubles at Comerica were home runs at Wrigley. Okay. If he would have played his whole season at Wrigley, he would have had 46 home runs. So not – He had almost 60 doubles. So less exciting it's if we're following your Ryan Sandberg logic. Anyway. Yes. Boring player. Fuck home runs. Okay. If he continues, well, forty home runs and fucking ten doubles is not as good as fifty doubles and twenty home runs. Anyway, go ahead. Okay, two two <laughs> quick things. One, if he goes if he goes anywhere else and keeps doing this, we're gonna feel like fucking idiots. Exactly, which is why I want to keep him. And he's got a great personality, gelled real well. Blah blah blah. Two on text message the other day, you were tossing around some Mookie Betts shit at me that I want your I want you to elaborate on. All right, here's what I'm elaborating on. Boston Red Sox, there was, I read two more articles about it today. Boston Red Sox had their press conference at the end of the year today as well, and this has been talked about the last three or four days. They famously fired their GM, Dombrowski, which is crazy, 10 months after he wins your World Series, whatever. I mean, that's, I mean, I thought Madden getting three years after a World Series was crazy, but 10 months is really insane, but that's modern sports nowadays, I guess. Um, they are, their goal is to get under the luxury tax. <laughs> so that they could reset because you know with the luxury tax everybody every year you go over in a row it gets exponentially a bigger tax on you the cubs were under the last two seasons they went over this year so therefore the tax was only it wasn't that bad really and we were only over the first tier there's there's two tiers and they the red sox were over both tiers they had the highest payroll in baseball they were like 40 million over plus it was like their third or fourth year in a row being over it so they were paying a lot in luxury tax they now want to get all the way below the 208 million dollar mark and that's gonna be very difficult for them to do they're gonna have to move some big contracts uh jd martinez is debating about opting out but he's not sure if he's gonna get more because he's owed 66 million over the next three years so he'd have to be confident he's gonna get more than that in the market which i'm not sure if he does even though he's had his last three years have been monster years, but he's going into age 32 season and he's a DH. So only American league teams are really going to be into him. I guess he could play left field in the national league. He's done it before, but not that pretty. Uh, Mookie Betts has one year left on his deal. He's going to want, he's, he's going to get a Harper type deal. Me, a Trump yeah. Type deal, yes, you know. yes. He's going to, he's 400 million makes sense for him. Yes. Cause he'll be hitting free agency at the age of 27. He's going to be 26 this season, I think, or, or he's 26. Anyway, he's hitting it young enough. People also don't realize Theo Epstein drafted Mookie Betts in the sixth fucking round. Yeah. He's a six round draft pick by Theo's administration under in Boston. I think the Red Sox are going to look to trade Mookie Betts. I think wow. as much as it pains me, it fucking pains me to say this. I think the guy in our core group that will be moved, I'm not saying I want it to happen, but I think it's kind of the move that makes the most sense for the team in 2020 and going forward is trading Chris Bryant. I have a Chris Bryant Jersey. I never, you never want to lose a player who you have their Jersey. 
Um, he is a top 10 player in all of baseball, Chris Bryant. He's an MVP. I, I love the guy. He, so it hurts me to say that. I want fans, I want people listening to know that. But he's got two years left. He's a Boris guy. I think if they talk, they'll, they'll probably talk extension with him. And if it doesn't look like it's going to go anywhere, I think it's a three-team deal. You make a three-team deal where you find a team that's got some sick prospects. Those prospects could go to Boston. Brian goes to whatever team. We'll get another. We'll get a prospect back too, and we get Betts back. If you're going to replace one, I know it's only one year in Mookie Betts, but then you have to be confident where you're like, all right, we we're going to extend him because we're getting that TV money. John Lester's contract comes off the book after next year, so some money's coming off. So there will be money to extend Betts. Mookie Betts is the player we're looking for. We've needed. We wanted a leadoff hitter. He's a leadoff hitter. We need a higher contact rate. That is the thing that I think hurt the Cubs the most. Because you look at our individual stats, there's some mighty fine seasons in there. You have four players who are almost a 900 OPS. Bryant, Rizzo, Contreras, Baez was close. Schwarber finished at an 875 OPS. He went fucking nuts in the second half. Castellanos was huge. So like, But I think the problem with the Cubs was driving in runs because everybody was – we had two through six in our batting order was like 25% strikeout rates. Besides Rizzo. Rizzo's good. Rizzo's very good, and Zobris is good, but Zobris was gone most of the year. Nico Horner looks like he's going to be a high-contact guy, which is nice. Um, I think Mookie Betts I mean, has like a 13% strikeout rate and like a 12% walk rate, it, so that's elite. Is it possible that Zobris's uh, lesbian wife ruined the season for the Cubs? I think it's incredibly possible. It's, I think so, because Zobris had a really good 2018. He did. He hit 300. Yeah, and he had a 407 on base percentage. Those are good stats. And yeah, especially for a guy that they pegged as the leadoff hitter. Now, I know some people might be like, well, he had a bad first six weeks. I'm like, yeah, because he was dealing with the wife shit. And then it got to the point where he's like, all right, well, now I got to just take off time altogether. I'm not helping you guys because my head's somewhere else. I'm playing like shit, and I got to go take care of my family. Look, you know, more power to Ben Zobers. He won a World Series MVP. He could do whatever he wants in my eyes. I actually would love if they could get him back in a one-year $3 million deal. He looks like he still has some fight left in him because when he came back, the offense definitely looked better. Ooh. I know we still lost games, but we were losing games because of the bullpen more than oh. – and, and we bias went down. Oh. That was one thing, too. We never had our full offense oh. together for any stretch. Oh, oh, I got it. You got it? What is it, baby? Player manager. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Haven't had one of those since Larry Doby. <laughs> P. Rose. Oh, yeah, P. Rose. Forgot about that. But, yeah, why not? I'm, I'd be okay with that. Ben um, Zobrist, player manager. He's probably too nice, though. Maybe you know. Player. He's so, he's so nice. He kept his wife's god awful walk up song. What he has to show solidarity that he's an ally to the LGBTQ plus community. Yeah, and also his kids. You forget about his kids. You, you know, hey, Daddy, why don't you have mommy's song anymore? You know, that's tough, right? All of a sudden, he's playing "You Ought to Know" by Alanis Morissette. <laughs> <laughs> Or he's playing oh, like Adele, like one of the breakup songs by Adele. I'm telling you what, there's going to be a hell of a 30 <laughs> for 30 about this whole end of the Madden era with all the weird shit that went on. I think there's going to be something really, there's going to be, someone's going to write a tell-all behind the scenes book Okay, so wait, 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 about so, some of this stuff. I know we got off track with something goofy, but. Because okay. there was another rumor that it was, there was a rumor floating on like, it was some, something on Reddit or Twitter that I saw that it was maybe, um one of the players on the team was hooking up with uh, Zobris' wife, but I think that's kind of unfounded. So I'm not going to spread any more of that lie. Wow. Was it, was it, was it Addison Russell? No. Was it, was it former bench coach uh, and current manager uh, Dave Martinez? 
No, but I could see why a woman would go for him. Uh, Uh, I saw the tweet said Ian Happ or John Lester. Wow. Yeah. And that's why Happ was sent down. I thought he was sent down because he hit 100 in the spring. (laughs) And he struck out 35% of the time. That's I think there was just some bullshit. Yeah. That's not even a lateral move on her part. I mean, you gotta, you cheat with Bryant or nobody. Yeah. And, and Bryant or Baez definitely doesn't cheat. Um, I, okay. So, cause he's such a good guy. So, okay. Mookie. But do you, do you like my bets idea? I know it's the kind of pipe dream. I should, this is my cousin, Danny first put this idea into my head. So I don't take full credit Be- before I, I listen to you. And before I get crucified, I want to say since 2015, when Bryant came up, the number one player in baseball is obviously Mike Trout. The number two player is Mookie Betts. The number three player is Chris Bryant. So yeah. so we're dealing with Betts, who's better and younger, versus the number three player in baseball. Maybe not right now. Maybe you could say, like, all kinds of people. Alex Bredman, Cody Bellinger, uh, Christian uh, Yelich, who's number four. You know, all kinds of guys. Bryant seemed to have peaked in 2016 – he was still good in 2017. He got hurt last year. He was okay this year. Yeah. Uh, Betts found a way to get back in the top 10 in, in the American League in war. He just did. He had a bad first half and then still ended, wound up there. Yeah, he had a little bit of a World Series hangover first half. Betts is better than Bryant. He is. If and he, he fixes two problems we have. If you could convince me... That and high contact rate. It just seems like such an old, old Cubs move. It feels like Raphael Palmero from Mitch Williams. Look, I mean, I don't love it, but if if our payroll is going to be right around the same as it was last year, which is like 215, 220 million, and we want to add pitching and pen, we're going to have to get a little creative with something. Now, I would like to just keep the offense the same, but trade Jason Hayward. I know it's a big contract. Who's going to take that on? You're going to have to trade him to a team that also wants to unload a big contract. Made me think of the Red Sox again. Jason Hayward for David Price. We'll throw in a mid-level prospect. Hayward reduces the salary cap hit for the Red Sox. Helps them get a little bit under because Hayward is owed less AAV. Price, I think, makes probably about $6 million more than him, so they're saving some money there. We'll take on Price, which I know is it's one year less of a contract. A little bit more AAV. Like I said, about $6 million more, I believe. And we get a pitcher who actually, look, had a solid fifth last year. The fastball velocity was still solid. Um, he gives up uh, He gives up homers. Yeah, I think every pitcher in baseball gives up homers now. I think that's, that is, that's true, too. Verlander's one blemish is he gives up a shitload of homers. Even Darvish was Scherzer. besides. Max Scherzer. You know, this, Scherzer, too. In the second half, strikeout rate, Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, you Darvish. Yeah. Darvish's one blemish, giving up home runs. He didn't walk anyone. Darvish was like 118 strikeouts, like three walks or something, or five walks. I don't know what it is, but it's really like a crazy ratio. I think um, he, he got over his mental shit that he had. I do too. Confident in Darvish going forward. If we had the wild card game, Darvish is my starter. Um, unless it was at home, then I would have started Hendricks, but it was most it was going to be on the road, so it would have been Darvish for me. Um, have to get somewhat creative a little bit there if you get you know if you want to do all those stuff. I would rather keep Bryant, but I think the Hayward for David Price move 
and then you find a center fielder who I no long-term deal, but you find someone who's got a high contact rate. Dex- Dexter Fowler. Dexter Fowler says I'm a high contact rate. He strikes about 24% of the time. And he's not, he didn't have that good of a year with St. Louis. I know. And he's probably paid. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I would love to have him back because I just love that dude. Um, that's not, let, let's end on this, and then I'll, you can do your MVP predictions and stuff um, or uh, your awards. I guess I, we ramble too much on this, and I'm exhausted. i got to go to bed. Um, sorry, everybody. I'm a dad now. Listen, it's two guys who are so sad about the end of an era. That's what I wanted to end with. Isn't there, is there any part of you that just thinks, I love that 2016 16 team so much. I love 2016 team so much that let's just ride this thing until the wheels come off. Keep them all. Keep mad and keep everybody. And I don't care if by the end of the seven-year window, eight-year window, we're a 70-win team. That's how much that team means to me that I just would rather be sentimental because there is that side of being a fan too that I think is going by the wayside. I know it's uh, maybe I'm the old lovable loser thing is coming out in me a little bit, but part of me is like, I love Brian. I love all these guys. I don't want to see any of them on another team. Let's run it back again. Because I think we have, we have the best run differential in the NL Central. We have the most talent in the NL Central. I, I, let's run it back. I think if we do this season nine times out of ten, we end up wearing the crown in the NL Central at the end of the year. Yeah, I see what you're saying. It was hard for me to let go every single person that got let go. Uh, it was hard for me to let go. We just mentioned Fowler. Um, like we're all like, yeah, he's going to get paid. You know, like that's every single Arietta. I didn't like giving up Arietta. I didn't like getting rid of Arietta at all. I love Arietta, man. That was tough. Like I, I think with pitching, you do need constant updates. I know that Lester and Hendricks have been the constants. Is is it, am I missing anybody? Uh, from 2016 from like, no, those two. Okay. From 2015, even. Yeah, from 2015. They're uh, the only two that have been there from since 2015 in the rotation. And I think that Russell's worn out as welcome. Like I, but yeah, I, Russell, Russell could go because Russell's bad and he's a bad person. That's a double. You know what I mean? I mean, obviously, bad person things should be number one thing that makes you think. Here's something interesting: if Veroldis Chapman opts out, which a lot of people think he probably will, because um, he has an opt out clause in his contract with the Yankees, and. Do you, do you, if you're the Cubs and you want to just say, fuck it, let's just make our bullpen really sick because that was our biggest weakness last year. We'll run the same offense back and hopefully things fall our way. Do you think about signing Chapman? I mean, he was fucking sick. I don't know. I, I want to – so here's my ideal. He had some bad games because um, he was a diva and he has to come into the ninth inning or, or he's a fucking head case. Well, the game five was Joe Madden's best managed game of that World Series because he brought in – he took Luster into the seventh, and then he brought Chapman in the seventh to get, like, the last seven or eight outs. So that was definitely um, my favorite Madden managed game there. He, game six, we just beat the shit out of them. And then game seven, obviously, was my least favorite Madden, Madden managed game. But the happiest result. <laughs> he blew the game, game one, where Montero hits that grand slam. If you watch that back – it cuts to yeah. the dugout where Aroldis Chapman is just staring straight ahead like he's bummed out, like after Montero hits that grand slam. And then Fowler goes back to back. Yeah. People were still cheering over uh, Miggy. They didn't realize, oh, that ball's gone too. Yeah. Um, all right, give your MVPs and stuff like that. And, um, you know, guys, we'll be checking. I, I can't remember 10 we'll be back next week. It's been the most inconsistent year of our podcast. Um, some of you may know I have another podcast, Kale Gowns Pub, and – I've been doing 773 Sports. Um, 
that's a weekly podcast. Um, it's nice because I know some people might be thinking, oh, you're doing another podcast, but you couldn't commit to this one. This is harder because it's over the phone and the time zone difference. It makes it rougher with nap schedules and some stuff like that. I'm hoping when my youngest son, Dylan, he's getting more on a routine because he's getting older. By the time he's seven, eight, nine months, when he's taking that nap schedule that Maddie was on, I'll have a three-hour, four-hour block in which Brido and I could get to talk on a Monday afternoon. Right now, I just can't do it. And, and it sucks because I believe me, I've missed talking with Brido about baseball. So I would like to, I know, I'm going to have three podcasts, everybody. The other one's called 773 Sports. It's with Herb Lawrence, who is an executive producer at The Score, which is the number one sports radio station in the city of Chicago. Great dude to talk sports with. Um, that we talk, We've been talking a lot of Bears, obviously, um, some Cubs, because we haven't even talked White Sox. And we're talking Bulls, Blackhawks. That is strictly Chicago sports one. This podcast is strictly my favorite sport, Brado's favorite sport, baseball. And we'll talk a little comedy and get woke along the way like we like to do sometimes. <laughs> and um, <laughs> uh, I actually hate the term woke now. I don't know if I, you know that. My friend uh, Nolan, who's from Ireland, said he thinks it's a stupid term because it applies you've been sleeping this whole time. It's like, what, you just learned racism exists, dipshit? And I'm like, you know, that's a good fucking point. Woke is a dumb term. Um, we got to come up with a better one. Uh, and then Kilgallen's Pub is where I drink with people, and it's just kind of a free-for-all. You know, we'll have silly conversations where we talk about, you know, butt-wiping techniques and uh, other fun stuff. I thought, and, uh, that, Brian, about your- I thought woke was an insult now. Anyway. Uh, it is an insult now. Go ahead. Uh, um, hunk, hunk with Mike Bridenstine. I talk to just guests every week about their favorite thing, and I fuck around. It's it's basically uh, – it's an. I ask people what their favorite thing is. We talk about it. And then we just basically talk about whatever. It's 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 uh, some fantastic guests. I'm having a lot of fun with it. Uh, hunk with MikeBridenstein.com. Hell yeah. Um, as far as your uh, awards, tweet it. Everyone follow Bridenstine on Twitter. You can see what he did there. Tell him what he did wrong. Um, I agree with all of them. The only thing I said, I'm like, maybe I can make a case for Bellinger over Yelich. Um, well, the only thing I would I, say, you know, like I, that one, that one I had the hardest time with I when I took Yelich, but I have to look at stats. And if someone on paper said to me, Yelich has a higher war and better hitting stats that I choose. I, I pick my criteria for MVP before I hear the storylines. So it doesn't matter to me that he didn't play like the, the rest of the season because I'm not like one of those, like the ninth inning is more important than the first inning type of people. I could understand a, 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 an argument for Bellinger and he would be my number two. I think that Bellinger will win it. It's just that Yelich happened to have a higher war and better hitting stats. Yeah, he did. Oh, they're close though. I mean, what the war is only like what point two off? I think one's like six four, sure, like six two. Twenty more games. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a very good point. Um, I guess the argument that some of the writers will make is that uh, I know the storyline. I, I I'm with you. The games in April count as much as the game in September. It is interesting that they went on this big run without him. Maybe you could say that's, that that's, 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 that's a weird. testament to him. It's weird. It's weird, right? It's um, weird. I just thought to myself, whenever it's that close, sometimes I do like to look at some defining moments when it's that close, you know, because um, even war is, did I tell you about one of the flaws of defensive war? 
Well, there's there's all kinds of flaws. You have to look at a lot. There's of, a few flaws. You have to look, one you have to look I find at, interesting. You have to look at more than one stat. That's why, as we keep saying, like war is not a mic drop. It's just an estimation. It's like their war basically is the same. It's, yeah. it's just a, a per, the guy who writes the fucking formula for that would tell you they have the same war. War. What is it good for? Determining MVPs, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. All right, well, follow Brido on Twitter because he, you tweeted out this thing, right? Or you just only Facebook? I, I only put it on Facebook because it's long. Well, put it on medium.com and tweet it out and, you know, put a picture of yourself smiling with your dog as the thing <laughs> so it shows up on the Dropbox. All right, um, yeah, we'll just tell him real quick. We won't debate him. Cy Young, you already, we already said you have um, Garrett Cole. I had Garrett Cole. Cy Young. I, had, I went with DeGrom. I, I I backed that up. He, he didn't come strong out the gate, but then he, he's been the best pitcher in baseball, or in the National League, I should say, since probably, what, May 1st? Yeah. No, he, he, didn't he have kind of like a so-so April? He came out hot as fuck, and then he got shelled like two games in a row, and I was over him. But, I mean, that's, oh, that's what it was, small, yeah. small sample size. He's first in war, second in FIP, second in ERA. Yeah, that's a, that's a good move. Um, and then my American League MVP is the same sort of situation – as the National League, because Trout leads in everything, Bregman is probably the sexier choice. I'm thinking it's going to be Bregman and and um and what's his name, Ballinger, just because they, they, you know how they are. It's the right. But Ballinger, but like Ballinger is clearly the best player on that team. There's no other like elite players with with Bregman. Springer's probably third. Plus Cole and Verlander are one two and like Cy Young. Oh, you're right. You know what, though? I think they're they're. I, I think I think Bellinger's going to win it in the NL. I don't think they're going to give it to Yelich. They like to switch it up because Yelich won it last year, especially. If Yelich had not won it last year, maybe right. they'd go, "Oh, well, it's this guy's turn." You know, that's how they are. Like, why did Charles Barkley get MVP over Jordan right. in '93? Right, right. It's like we don't too many guys winning all the same time. Um, I definitely think Trout's going to get it, though. Now that now that you mention it, I think he deserves it. I think also I think these writers are starting to realize how special Trout is. And maybe Major League Baseball starts to pressure him a little bit. Big on, come on, dude. Another reason I want Madden to go to Anaheim because Anaheim it brings more attention to Trout. Anything that puts more eyes on Mike Trout, I'm a big fan of. True. ESPN loves Madden. They're going to love the storyline of him coming back. Blah blah blah. You know what I mean? I think that's going to be kind of a cool thing. So, uh, guys, that's been uh, comedians talking baseball. Um, we will be checking in with you throughout the off season, of course. Can't give you exact dates. So just subscribe to us that way you'll get notified. Uh, hit up our other podcast. We'll probably tell you information there. Subscribe to me on YouTube. Subscribe to Brido on YouTube. And, um, you know, to a hell of a 2019 season. And we'll check in with you guys in the playoffs. You guys are the best. Bye. <laughs>